Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I have to tell you, we are really living, of course, in an interesting time. And I know that that's remarkably redundant, but there are numerous distractions taking place right now, I think, that are very, very interesting. A lot of things, of course, are being revealed. A lot of these illegal mandates, as we know, are, are being lifted. But at the same time, the enemy continues to scheme and do things behind the scenes that are still infiltrating endless organizations. Uh, in particular, I might add American K-12 education. And I heard something on the radio the other day that I thought was interesting. A caller called into a show and was discussing how this entire Great Reset rollout business was purposefully designed to help usher in the student loan forgiveness program, and that this has been planned by Democrats and the powers that be for a very long time. Uh, even Sicily sent me an article recently describing how the New Mexico governor signed into law now this student tuition uh, or student loan forgiveness program, where student loans are being paid and school loans are being paid. At the very least, for a certain amount of individuals. The same thing is happening at the Department of Education. The National Department, the Federal Department of Education is ushering in a very similar program. And we can probably also assume that they're doing it for particular racial categories as opposed to others. Because remember, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Given all of that, I think that it is important to understand that this is communism, that any time the government is promising the people that they can buy something and then not have to pay for it, and that the government claims that it will pay for it, when in fact, the government will still steal from endless individuals, either through taxes or the higher cost of living or gas prices or whatever it may be. It's always the illusion of saving money. And again, it's just communism. Even Lenin stated that socialism was just a, a purposeful step toward communism, or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially it. That's exactly what these quote-unquote student loan forgiveness programs are all about. It is not really about helping out someone who is on the streets or is in dire need. It's about the government enslaving individuals to government dependence. That's the entire point. That's the entire plan. So along those same lines, however, I came across this, and this is frightening. Uh, this comes directly from the CDC. And I wanted to mention this too because, again, it ties into the next story that I'm going to mention after this. And I want to read through this because this is rather specific. If anyone out there actually believes that these global organizations do not have their fingers inside of the entire K 12 higher ed apparatus throughout the world, in particular in America, you are sorely mistaken. The fact is, is that the CDC, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, all of them are tied in together in the interest of overtaking everything that is or what is perceived to be 
public-private charter and magnet school education. So the CDC specifically has outlined what they are calling their whole school, whole community, whole child model. And it is, again, acronym uh, WSCC. At face value, a naive educator would look at this and say, this is a fantastic thing. Well, this is great. It's bringing in health. It's bringing in physical education. It's bringing in all kinds of things inside of this CDC wheel of community. And we're going to be helping not just students in school learn more, but people outside of the school. And it's going to be great. Ladies and gentlemen, it is communism more specifically designed to steal children away from the home and to, st- and to take the mind of the child away from the parent and, again, put it under the entire nefarious cloak of government. That is the point of this. And I'm going to read through, again, some of these benchmarks. There are many. But I'm going to read through the general overview of this. And again, you can imagine where where this all leads. It says, quote, this is on uh, CDC's.gov's website under healthy schools. It says, quote, the education, public health and school health sectors have each called for greater alignment that includes integration and collaboration. See all these words? All of this Marxist lingo, all of this communistic lingo is all being rolled out here in their very description. Integration and collaboration, quote, between education leaders and health sectors to improve each child's cognitive, physical, social, and emotional development. Public health and education serve the same children, often in the same settings. The whole school, whole community, whole child model focuses on the child to align the common goals of both sectors to put into action a whole-child approach to education. Again, this is government control over the child. Does this exist within your school district? You bet it does. And if it isn't there yet, it's there in pieces, and it will slowly work its way into every single classroom. So that you'll even have, and we already do, math teachers putting this kind of thing into quote-unquote practice where it becomes remarkably normalized across and stretching across every subject within school. People have got to understand that the CDC, the FDA, the UN, again the World Economic Forum, all of these organizations are simply different heads of the exact same snake. They work together to give people the illusion of individuality, but they are in fact controlling everything. And they all, again, they all know each other. In many cases, they are all related, actually literally related to one another. The husband of this organization happens to be the wife of the assistant vice president of this organization, and so on and so on and so on. The nepotism runs deep within government, both from a biological standpoint, a bloodline standpoint, you name it. And they, they take that very, very seriously, and they have to keep it that way. This is also why, again, the World Economic Forum has their Young Global Leaders organization, where they recruit specifically youth from the most radical institutions you could possibly imagine. 
in the interest of, again, breeding these people and grooming them to end up being the heads of these organizations down the line. These people think hundreds of years down the line when they're making these moves. The CDC is no different. So back to this particular model, this WSCC, whole school, whole community, whole child. And of course, they have an, they have a, an image here, a little graphic, and it looks like what could be perceived as a teenage child sort of in the Michael Jordan pose, so to speak, from Nike, on this we- in the middle of this wheel. And they have community wrapped around the entire thing. Commune, communism. They're telling you it's communism. They're telling you in their own graphic. And it says, coordinate policy, process, and practice. And then it says, improving learning and improving health. Then it says, healthy, safe, engaged, supported, challenged. All wrapping around in a giant circle of a nightmare. And then each individual block includes the following. There is a health education block. There is a physical education and physical activity block. There's a nutrition, environment, and services block. There is a health services block. There's a counseling, psychological, and social services block. Social and emotional climate block. Physical environment block. Employee wellness block family engagement block, and finally, community involvement block. Again, if, if you were to dive into every single one of these, they are remarkably dangerous because this is where all of the critical theories get buried. And see, someone would then say, well, our state outlawed critical race theory, so we don't have that problem anymore. No, you have that problem still. You will always have that problem because, as I've said in the past, when the enemy gets exposed and the light gets shined on the cockroach, where does the cockroach go? It goes underground. It goes in the dark corners and the shadows where it can go in order to, again, avoid detection. And this is an example of one of those heads of, of that same snake simply hiding and doing whatever they can to take the message from the other snakes and and make it a little less visible. But again, they're so evil that they have to put it in writing out there on their own websites, assuming you won't look at it, assuming that you won't think about it, and then analyze it and read into it. So for example, I just clicked on the social and emotional climate section. Now you can, of course, learn more about all 10 of these nefarious components uh, individually on your own time. And I could spend the whole episode on this. I have other things I want to go over. But when when you click on the wheel and these different blocks on this wheel, so I just clicked on the social and emotional climate block and it says the following. It says a positive social and emotional school climate is conducive to effective teaching and learning. The school climate can affect student engagement in school activities, relationships with other students, staff, family, and community. There's that word community again. Commune. Communism. It says health and growth and academic performance. It's word salad. 
that is a giant umbrella that allows these individuals to put in anything that they want within this particular category and then ultimately use the CDC's definition as justification for implementing this entire wheel of a nightmare within any school or any classroom. So again, it doesn't have to say critical race theory this, critical gender theory that. They can just stick it in to any of these blocks that they want and bring it up. And then, of course, if a complaint comes down the line, all they have to do is point at the CDC's website and say, hey, look, the CDC said this. You know, we did all of these things that the CDC told us over the last two years. So this has to do with education. And, you know, I'm involved in this, so I have to do this also. Again, the brainwashing that takes place with American educators is alarming enough. So don't think for a minute that they would not adopt something like this without giving it a moment's thought. They certainly would. In fact, my interest is more piqued as to uh, what the actual definitions of these are going to be. The next one, however, this will be the last one I read. It says counseling, psychological, and social services. It says, quote, these prevention and intervention services support the mental, behavioral, social, and emotional health of students. Services include a broad range of assessments, counseling and consultation, and referrals to school and community support services. Again, we're talking about child protective services. We're talking about making sure that kids are on drugs so that you can continue to brainwash them and they can be dependent on the pharmaceutical industry. We're talking about making as many special education students exist within our building as humanly possible so we can get more money and have them on more drugs. Uh, I can read into every single one of these benchmarks and every single one of these blocks and tell you exactly what they have planned. I would encourage you again to get on their website, look this up. It's the whole school, whole community, whole child model. And it's a nightmare. And again, anybody who is following this, implementing this, it is government control over the individual child. Certainly from preschool all the way through high school, but they already have this structured at the college and university level on a constant basis. Uh, Again, you've heard me say this before, but the use of the word community and the overuse of that word has hit a new level here. I mean, you didn't, I didn't grow up hearing the word community used with such regularity, let alone within all of these political organizations that are all, again, using the exact same terminology. They're taking over the English vernacular. They're taking it over. And that is a, that's always going to be a major part of their invasion on us and our individual rights. Is, is looking at you like you're crazy because you're not using the same words that they are using. I never say the word community. The only time I heard the word was in a geography class in elementary or middle school. That was it. We didn't walk around as children saying, you know what would be great for the community? I, I think that one of the best things that would just be excellent for our community is this and this and this and this and this. No. No, go home and pay attention to what's fine in your own home. The definition of community 
is like a, it's just another name for a town or a subdivision or you know an area of town where you live that's it but what people don't seem to understand is is again the word community means commune which means communism getting everybody to say and do the same things and believe the same things at the same time to create the same terrible outcome because communism and this has been brought up with regularity by endless people communism continues to be a failed model everywhere it's never worked and yet communists don't seem to learn from history let alone their own misdeeds they simply repackage and rename their own misdeeds they throw another visual at everybody another chart another graphic or in this case another wheel with the word community wrapped all the way around it in order to get people to buy into it and then of course they resell it and then use it as justification to do whatever it is that they want to do which as we know and they don't seem to grasp this is that they are destroying american k12 education but they're actually destroying their own terrible model. And of course, what are they replacing it with then? They're replacing it with their own model. I mean, the wheel that needs to be created from a visual standpoint is just their own decision-making. Their own decision-making should have a block at the top that says, this won't work. And then they keep trying it, and then the wheel goes all the way around, and that Circle comes right back to the top where it says, This won't work all over again. And they go, Okay, well, we got to make it look different. And then they put different colors on it and whatever else. This whole school, whole community, whole child model will fail. It will fail. It will continue to drive more people to homeschool. It will continue to drive more people away from these environments. In particular, if more and more students themselves and teachers actually wake up to what's actually happening, if they don't and they can't read between the lines, and unfortunately many cannot, the brainwashing is too thick, then they're not going to stand a chance. They're going to view a program like this as being beneficial because it sounds nice. It's a kind of thing that, again, at face value, without any ounce of thought whatsoever, sounds friendly and it sounds nice. Well, pedophiles sound friendly and sound nice from time to time, too. How do you, wh what do they do? They lure in people. That's the whole point. That's exactly what this does, too. It's just a giant lure. It looks like a shrimp, but the fish doesn't know that it's a giant piece of plastic with a really sharp hook on the end. That's all it is. Now, here's another move, and this is the next story I wanted to mention. This is another move that the enemy has planned. And it's starting to be written about by freedom-loving outlets with more regularity, again, in the interest of warning people. And I'm going to read this because, again, it's remarkably important, and this is the perfect platform for it. Uh, this comes from LifeSiteNews.com, and it's titled, United Nations Calls for More Regulations to be Placed on Homeschooling. Again, one of the things that I read right at the end of the book the Bilderberg Group. And if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. It's remarkably frightening. And it ends on a very serious note. 
And it basically ends by saying, the enemy won't quit. That's, that's basically it. I'm not summarizing the entire book by any stretch of the imagination, but the book ends by basically saying again, the enemy will not stop. If the enemy sees individuals and freedom and individuals who love freedom in any avenue, including the home itself, it will do whatever it can to take it away as much as humanly possible, in particular, like the CDC program, under the guise of looking like it's helpful, when in fact it is not. Let me give you another example very quickly. It's a very specific example. The smart meters that exist inside of homes that calculate the amount of electricity that you're using on a, on a day-in, day-out basis, month-in, month-out basis. The smart meters are hooked to 5G. So when the 5G kicks on in a local town, city, whatever, community, what they end up doing is, is it ends up turning on that smart meter so you have 5G pumping through your entire house. That's not healthy. But what did they do when they were selling 5G meters to people? They told families, well, you won't have to pay a monthly charge anymore because we'll just be able to wirelessly upload that data to our servers and then calculate it and then bill you. It's the illusion of freedom. It's the illusion of saving money when, in fact, it's the back doorway of slapping you in the back of the head with something that's remarkably unhealthy. And the enemy knows specifically here that more families are homeschooling. They know that more families are independent. They know that they are leaning that way. And as I've said and brought up in the last episode, certainly, those numbers, or the last couple of episodes, those numbers are only going to increase over time. You know, as I've mentioned, it's a failing business model, the business of public school, private school, and charter school, and certainly higher education. These are all failing business models. These people are in debt. These organizations and institutions are in debt way beyond their means. I mean, that's the definition of debt, but they, they cannot sustain themselves any longer. And if homeschooling is sitting at 11%, and I think that's low, I think that the homeschooling population is way above 11%. If it reaches 30%, public schools will close. The, the numbers of students will dramatically decrease. Teachers will get fired. They will stop hiring people. They'll have to consolidate their buildings. They'll have to start taking their middle schools and high schools, as has been brought up on this podcast, in particular by Vanessa Hurst and countless other individuals. They have to take these schools then, and they have to combine them. And when you do that, and you combine middle schools and high schools together, in particular, if it's all the same, it's the illusion of creating a homeschool-like environment, but it's remarkably unsafe because you have then elementary school students, for the most part, being somewhere around middle school students and high school students. And at the exact same time, it becomes easier for organizations like the CDC to show up and sell all of their programs to one confined location or community. Then you have an actual commune, and that will fail also. So, again, if, if the homeschooling population increases to 30 plus percent, these buildings will close. That will happen. 
But that does not mean, again, in particular in this case, that organizations like the United Nations, who of course control American pop, uh, politicians, and they do, uh, as does the World Economic Forum, same head, you know, different heads, same snake. They're going to have their fingers in this cookie jar of homeschooling, and they're going to do whatever they have to do to push forth legislation that taxes more and more homeschoolers. Again, fortunately, here in America, there are some politicians that have voted and passed into law all of these voucher programs where you don't have to pay public school taxes anymore if you're homeschooling. That does happen in some, in some places. Um, I don't have the, the list of states right off the top of my head. I know that that's the case with many religious schools as well. If you send your child to a religious school, you can take all of that tax money that you were going to give the public school, and you can keep it for yourself and put it toward your, uh, you know, your your private religious school, so to speak. But but again, homeschooling is is the best option. But that that is exactly why the enemy knows that. So here's what the article says. It says, "quote As the debate over parental involvement in education continues." It's uh, there's no debate. There's a right and a wrong. This is a black and white issue, but either way, it says a, a new UN report suggests more regulation needs to be placed on those opting to homeschool their children. In the United Nations' latest global education monitoring report for 2021-2022, titled "Non-State Actors in Education: Who Chooses, Who Loses," the global organization suggests that a stricter regulatory system needs to be implemented to ensure that there is uniformity, communism, in what children are taught regardless of where or by whom they are educated. So what will happen with this? I'm going to continue to read through this because every paragraph needs to be read. What they will do is, is they'll attack the homeschooling programs themselves that are sold to homeschooling parents and families. The Abecas, the Calvert Education, dot com organizations, um, maybe not the Ron Paul curriculum, but certainly others. They'll do whatever they can to tax them and regulate them, which is a very difficult thing to do because, again, many of them are private organizations. But if they can go after accreditation or they can find a backdoor way into making things harder for them, they're certainly going to do that. And they're certainly going to try. And like it was said again in the Bilderberg group, the enemy will not quit. Inroads will be made, um, victories will be won by the good guys, but the devil is not going to take a day off. It continues here, it says, according to the UN report, the presence of non-state actors in education, which refers primarily to educators in the private schooling sector, but also mentions parents involved in homeschooling, promotes inequity and privilege. And therefore, the solution is for governments to consolidate all education into a single system, quote-unquote. The UN claims that the rise in homeschooling rates is the result of advocacy by a global conservative movement. I mean, you can hear the UN's word usage here. They believe that the family making decisions for the child and themselves as a family is inequity and privilege. That's, that's their mind frame. It goes against everything that they want for you and your child. They want total control here. 
It continues, and it says, and accuses homeschooling environments of exacerbating gender imbalances and negatively impacting the employment rates of mothers, but not fathers. I gotta tell you what. This is what grinds my gears. This is Marxism to the bone. And just as a history lesson, in case you're curious, that paragraph right there actually defines something that Adolf Hitler, believe it or not, because he's the most lied about person in the history of history, probably, but he actually said that that right there is the biggest problem with Marxism. He detested Marxism, and he openly stated that Marxism is a lie designed to lie specifically to females to trick them into believing that government has something in store for them that is better than the family, when in fact it's designed to trick the female into hating children, hating marriage, hating all of it. Because again here, the UN is a Marxist organization, and they are saying specifically that homeschooling is designed to exacerbate gender imbalances and negatively impact the employment rates of mothers but not fathers. See, the UN wants mom working all of the time. The UN wants the family poor and both parents in a biological nuclear family working all of the time. Why would that be? so that government can raise your child. See, people don't know this about old Germany and old Europe. They, they don't read about it. They believe what exists in their textbooks and the narratives that are portrayed in Hollywood about this, that, or the other without doing any investigation whatsoever. The family was cherished in old Europe before the war, before World War II. It was cherished. There, were, there was a time during World War I, certainly, where it was being destroyed, and it was being destroyed on purpose. Look at what happened in America in the 1960s, 1970s. The family was starting to disintegrate. Co uh, cost of living, poor education, uh, the breakdown of the nuclear family, higher divorce rates, etc., etc. Where are we now? We're in a worse place now than we were then, and it was bad then. So, again, these organizations want you dead, but they want to control you first. It continues here. It says, responding to these arguments, Michael Donnelly, senior counsel for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. I'm falling in love with these people more and more by the day. It says... He wrote in an in-depth analysis of the report that, quote, there is something deeply flawed with an international body that views workforce participation as the be-all and end-all of human flourishing, especially when the topic is actually the education of children. He's 100% right. He then stated that, quote, many parents who stayed home and continued to do so in mass earned something more valuable and irreplaceable. That is, respect from and time with their children, the lawyer and homeschool advocate added. Continuing in his analysis of the UN's report, 
Don Lee mentioned that the UN's claim that government education is necessary because it promotes, quote, noble ideas and ruling ideologies, unquote, is precisely why many parents are drawn to homeschooling today. Quote, does equity mean teaching children to see all aspects of life through the lens of race? Does inclusion mean giving biological males access to girls' sports and locker rooms, unquote? Donnelly asked rhetorically. He said, quote, the report is vague on these specific topics, but is crystal clear, but it's crystal clear as to its preference for government control of education. It then says this, it says, quote, as a lawyer, Donnelly clarified that the right to homeschool children is defined in both U.S. law and in the 1948 Universal Declaration, which in response to Adolf Hitler Nazi Germany concluded that education, quote, shall be directed to the full development of the human personality and to strengthening the respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms, and that parents have a prior right to choose the kind of education that shall be given to their children, unquote. This requires a little bit of analysis here from a historic standpoint also. Anytime that you hear of one of these organizations or government, again, using the name Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany and throwing it under the bus and saying, well, Hitler wanted the opposite of freedom and this, that, and the other, and Hitler this and Hitler that. I have to tell you, it's exhausting, and that should be the first red flag that anybody has. Any critical thinker should, should sit with themselves for a minute and say, why do they keep saying that? Why is it that they keep saying that? You see, that's not what Adolf Hitler wanted. That, that wasn't the point. He wanted a well-rounded education for all, for all students in Germany, and he wanted them to, again, learn about their history, learn about art, and learn about their culture, and learn about their heritage. That was the point. See, that's not happening now in America, is it? The exact opposite is happening. So the U.S. law and their 1948 U.N.'s Universal Declaration was designed to create more government control over American schools than ever before. But they were, they were doing that based on a lie, by saying, well, look what happened in Germany, and we can't have that. Their schools were terrible. That's not true. That's not true. Before the war, Germany was in the process of rebuilding their schools to be what they wanted to be and and to be what they needed to be because it was Weimar Germany and Marxists and Marxism that had infiltrated their entire school system and was teaching perversions. I've been over this in my Substack articles. I wrote an entire article describing and laying this out pretty pretty clearly and in 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 basically the most basic terms I possibly can from a historic perspective. That's what the book burning was about. It was about going through these libraries and getting rid of the very books that you see mothers and fathers and students in American school board meetings now reading from and saying, we have to get rid of these books. Well, the government said back then in Germany when Hitler was in control and had been voted on and voted for, he said, well, great, let's burn them. Let's get rid of them. And people did. 
And it was great. And it was fine. I mean, it, no one had a problem with it except for the very Marxists that wanted that literature in those books to destroy children and to brainwash children. That was the whole point. So, again, you, you, can't, you can't give these people an inch. They will take a mile and they'll do whatever they can to go back to the old, well, Hitler did this and Hitler did that. It's exhausting. It, it's so lazy. It's just lazy. It continues here and wraps up, and it says, quote, Instead of leaning into more government control, UN education policy experts should lean into the evidence and into the UN's own history and ideal of freedom by supporting policies that put parents in charge of making decisions about their children's education, Donnelly proposed. He's right. He's right again. It then says, Such a, such a reversal would be a much more faithful reflection of the ideas represented in its own human rights treaties. Those treaties, again, is just paperwork. It's just words on paper to, again, manipulate people into thinking that they have everybody's interests at heart as an individual when it comes to freedom. The exact opposite is true. It's always the exact opposite that is true. It then says, quote, The topic of parental involvement in education has been a hot-button issue in America and other Western nations in recent months, more like recent years, if not decades. It then says, quote, In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis received major backlash from the so-called LGBT community and other left-wing activists for signing a bill that protects young children from being taught about ra uh, radical sexual concepts like transgenderism and gender identity. You see, that's Marxism. Learning about that stuff in school, all of those perversions, is Marxism. Now go back in history and think about all of the people that detested Marxism. All of the cultures, country leaders, citizens, the citizens, ladies and gentlemen, the specific individuals within these countries that, that vote for people who detest Marxism. They're in the majority. They're always in the majority. Marxism is in the vast minority. That's why they have to scream at the top of their lungs all of the time. That's why they have to engage in criminal activity, because they know that their message is flawed. It wraps up and says, while Republican states largely favor such protections, and even that is a lie, it says Democrat-run states like New Jersey have taken the opposite approach and have devised an even more radical curriculum that will teach second graders about gender identity and sexual orientation, unquote. You see, some of them are so blatant with their Marxism and their perversion that they make it law. Oh, you're going to learn about this when you're this age all of the time, whether you like it or not. And then there are other states that again claim to make small inroads in an effort to uh, provide you know, parents more choice and this, that, and the other, when in fact even those individuals are controlled to some extent. So the point is this. The homeschooling battle is a battle because this is a war, and that battle is going to continue, and the enemy is going to continue to try and make multiple attempts. They won't quit. The devil, again, doesn't take a day off. They're going to continue to do whatever they have to do to make inroads in homeschooling and make it harder 
for those homeschooling programs that, again, parents buy and rely on to exist and to not have some of these perverse uh, you know, elements within their curriculum. Now, even if, because we can't trust the church either, okay, let's make that abundantly clear. Look what the church has done over the last two years, and look what has been revealed to the public about the church over the last two years. You can't necessarily blindly trust a homeschool organization that claims to be based on the Bible or based in the, the, uh, the existence and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can't, even, you can't even do that. Your due diligence has to be thicker than that. You have to go further with it. You have to do more homework. And then, of course, this is the best part of homeschooling. It's one of many. You get to decide how far down the rabbit hole do you want to take your children. You get to decide how much of the truth you want to reveal to your children. And again, the limitations are endless. I mean, th- there's no chains on them. Th- there are no puppet strings. There's no per- permission form that you have to fill out uh, in order to have a particular discussion. This stretches directly into the First Amendment. All of it is designed to destroy the First Amendment and to trick people into believing that freedom of speech is inequitable, that freedom of speech is privilege, and government has the best ideas for you, and oh, by the way, if you want to have that discussion in the classroom, make sure that you fill out this particular permission form. But again, look at the kinds of conversations that are casually happening in American K-12 schools today that have nothing to do with actual learning or real facts or history or science or curriculum. It's perversions now. Are they filling out permission forms to talk about perversions? No, they're just doing it. But if you want to talk about Jesus Christ, or you want to talk about old Europe and the truths about old Europe and what was really going on, it's why they don't teach European history in school, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an accident. It's a giant on purpose. But if you were to actually start teaching it, someone would knock on your door who works for that school building and say, I have a parental complaint. I received a parental complaint because of this, that, or the other. That's the problem. That's why homeschooling is the safest environment. It is is the best environment. It is free of all of the wheels of community and all of the building blocks and all of the government control nonsense. It's free of all of it. And it will actually do a variety of things, including this next topic that I want to bring up here and kind of summarize a few things, is that it brings up the importance of unlearning and how unlearning is arguably the highest form of learning. That if an individual dedicates their lives to unlearning, the clarity that you will see the world we live in will be astounding in all of its horror and all of its beauty at the exact same time. So, with that said, let me, let me mention a few things here from, from past comments I've made and, and past topics that I've brought up. Me, me, specifically, as a human being, I am consistently unlearning. In fact, at the very beginning of this podcast, at its, as, at its inception, it even exists on the coffee mugs that uh, exist in the American Education FM shop. If you're interested, check it out. It's on the website. But um, unlearning 
is, is the, is the best thing that we can do and never stop unlearning was a tagline that I had associated with this podcast because I, I firmly know it to be true that this is something that just has to happen constantly. You have to suspend your beliefs and you have to investigate and read and listen. And the reason that people don't click on particular things is because, again, they are afraid. They're afraid of unlearning. I'm not afraid to unlearn. I'm also not afraid to ask numerous questions and continue to ask those same questions. So let me give you an example of something I've brought up in the past, and it, it, uh, frankly, it deserves a revisiting. I mentioned in a previous episode how I was astounded that no one was bringing up the business of these shots and these poisonous bioweapons as being sexually transmitted. It blew me away. I said, well, why, why, why isn't this being discussed? We know anecdotally that there are numerous, too many to calculate, cases of individuals where one sexual partner is jabbed and another is not. And the one who is not ends up becoming very sick from being with and around the individual who is jabbed. This led me down more invest- a more uh, investigative approach, and certainly from a historic standpoint. So I thought to myself, okay, the viral, the viral delusion documentary in all of its parts has a section about HIV and AIDS. So I need to watch this and I need to examine this a little bit further. So I decided to do that. The scientists that are highlighted within that documentary state that HIV was a lie. Of course, as you've heard me bring up, viruses aren't real and that continues to be true. There is only poison. Poison is real and there are immunosuppressing poisons that people inject themselves with, that they inhale that they eat, that they drink, that they, you know, breathe in, all of it. All of that exists. But the business of viruses is, 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 not, is not real. Viruses are not isolated. Poisons are isolated from human cells. And the reactions that human cells have with poisons can, can be isolated, but not viruses. This is a, a made-up name designed to scare and terrify people for generations, if not their entire, well, certainly generations, to say the least. And as I've brought up numerous times again, the word usage matters because it's manipulative. I mean, it is designed to manipulate people forever. So I watched that particular part, and I will link it in the description below because it's part four of that documentary. And it is fascinating because they also say that there is zero scientific proof that HIV, which didn't exist, wasn't a virus. What existed, again, was poison, is that there was no proof that it was sexually transmitted. So that got me to thinking, well, if, it's not sexually tra- if it wasn't sexually transmitted back then and the immunosuppressing poisons that people were doing to themselves, either through, again, drug use or um, intravenous drug use or drinking drinking particular poisons, uh, you know, alcohol abuse, XYZ, that if all of that was not sexually transmitted, then what does that mean about the COVID jabs? So there are more questions to be asked, is my point. 
there are more questions to be asked. I do know again for a fact, as this has been brought up on numerous occasions by countless people, that when you take unjabbed individuals and you put them in sexual contact with jabbed individuals, the unjabbed can get sick. Do they all? Probably not. That would be, that would be an assumption I would be making. But more specifically, from a scientific and medical standpoint, I'm not a medical doctor, but I don't have to be. I, I can be literate. That's enough. And I can be a thinker, and that's enough too. Does any, do any of these immunosuppressive poisons that exist in these shots travel in seminal fluid? Again, I'm 90% certain that that would be the case. Why am I 90% certain that that would be the case? Because, at the very least, it has been brought up and proven that the elements that exist within inside of the shots travel within every single body system in the human body, the reproductive organs in, in particular. So, would it surprise anybody that the evil elements that exist would create a synthetic group of poisons that either mimic other poisons, like snake venom, for example, and put it within these synthetic mRNA poisons that exist, that people have, of, of course, taken, that hundreds of millions of people have taken all over the world and have been coerced to take and forced to take and X, Y, Z. Would that, would that be, you know, out, would that be in the realm of a possibility? that such a thing could be sexually transmitted? The answer is yes. It, it's certainly a possibility. My question is, who is studying that specifically? Do we know who these people are? We're not hearing about any of it. Because again, if we were to hear about it, and it would certainly never make the mainstream media, that doesn't fit within the Overton window. So who, who, is, who is doing this analysis? Is anyone out there engaging in these kinds of studies where they are specifically testing vaginal and seminal fluid as being a vector, so to speak, of these spiked proteins or of these immunosuppressing poisons that people have injected into themselves now. Because as it's stated in part four, and it's an amazing section of, of that documentary, they clearly state that the Bird flu and the swine flu and all of those other scare tactics from decades past did not work and did not have their desired um, th their desired nefarious outcome that they wanted. And again, by they, I mean these organizations, all of these organizations, the CDC, FDA, um, World Economic Forum, you name it. They didn't have their desired outcomes, but this time it worked, and the scare tactic was, was turning everything off. The scare tactic was closing everything. That's what would scare people into taking shots. It was one step to create the future steps. So again, I'm consistently unlearning, but when I, when I made that sort of proclamation and I said, this has to be sexually transmitted, do I believe that to be the case? You bet I do. I still believe that. 
I would prefer that I had more hardened proof from a scientific standpoint. And I'm talking about real scientists, not, um, you know, not the Robert Malones of the world that are out there who created the messenger RNA and are somehow uh, now the new snake oil salesman going around from town to town and telling people that uh, this is dangerous. Well, guess what, Bobby? You created it and you're killing people. So if there's a Nuremberg 2.0, Robert Malone deserves to be at the top of the list as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't know why people are believing his nonsense. Uh, Let me give you another example, just to get off on a tangent here. A lot of these people have foreclosed on the snake venom aspect of it, that there's no way that uh, that that could actually be a thing or that it could be synthetically made or, or derived from actual snake venom and then put into drugs that people take and then put into injectables that people take. If you don't think that's a possibility, you're a fool. Of course it's a possibility. These people want you dead. They want you dead. They tell you that Viagra is healthy. That's what they tell you. That's what they tell all these old people. Viagra is healthy. Who created Viagra? Pfizer. What does Viagra cause? Heart attacks. Have people died from taking Viagra? Yes. That's one example. Talcum powder. Who created that? Johnson and Johnson. Did talc powder and talc create cancer and kill people? Yes, it did. People are still trusting these organizations. They're criminal organizations. They're criminals. People need to always keep that in mind. I mean, Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, he's, he's got some interesting ties, but he says a lot of good stuff from time to time. And he has openly stated this. Why are people trusting these criminal organizations? He's 100% right on that. He's 100% right. If a person comes to your home, for example, and robs you, they rob you, maybe at gunpoint, and then they end up getting arrested for their crime. You learn their name, you learn their age, you can see their face, you finally figure out who they are and where they came from. Would you trust that person anymore? Of course not. Of course you wouldn't. A sane person would never trust that person ever again for anything, for absolutely anything. But people will blindly trust these faceless agencies, assuming that they have nothing but your best interests at heart and your health and well-being as their number one concern. It's shocking, but that's the depth of the brainwashing. That's the depth of it right there. And there's one last thing I wanted to mention here, and it goes again directly to this entire apparatus of brainwashing, which I mentioned specifically in the last episode regarding the mask wearing and the uh, pelicans at the end of the pier, uh, all clamoring that they now get to eat fish with all of the people on airplanes who now get to take off their masks. Again, you never had to wear them in the first place. You didn't have to fly in an airplane. You didn't have to fly in an airplane. I didn't. I didn't have anywhere to fly. But thank God that the last time I was on an airplane was in, I think, 2019. But if somebody would have said, well, you got to wear a mask now if you want to fly in an airplane, I'd say, well, I'll drive there instead. How about that? And if, again, it would have been an untenable situation where I couldn't have gotten to a particular place, uh, I would have called them and said, sorry, I can't be there. 
I can't be there because it's too far of a drive. Uh, no, no place is too far to drive, but certainly a foreign country would be. And uh, at the exact same time, I, I don't fly on planes and I'm not wearing a mask and I'm not participating in any of this. When I brought a lot of that up in the last episode, I wasn't the only one, as it turns out, who brought that up. Amazing Polly herself, Polly St. George, who I love dearly. I love this woman. And if you're unfamiliar with, uh, with Amazing Polly and, and her work and her investigations, I'm going to link her BitChute channel in the description below. I highly recommend you check it out. In particular, her latest rant, where she is ranting about the exact same thing that I was ranting about in the last episode, about how the mask wearers are to blame. They are the reason that we were in this entire situation. Their compliance is the reason why we are here. So what will happen the next time? What will happen the next time when government reaches out with a fish in their hand for the pelican? Is the pelican going to scream and make all of the noises that a pelican makes and, uh, and, and you know, stick its head up in the air and try to grasp the, for that fish and beg government for the fish? Or is the pelican going to take its huge, strong neck, head, and beak and just blast government right in the chest? And then take the fish if, the, if they want the fish anyway. What's going to happen the next time? So I want to play just the very beginning of her rant because she's dead on. And here we go. What's got me going is the dropping of the mask mandates. That happened in Ontario where I live weeks ago. And it just happened, from what I understand, in the United States on airplanes because of a court judgment. <clears throat> And there's videos out there of people, you know, getting the news as they're on a plane. And most of them cheer and take their masks off. Here's just one. April 18th, the Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and on foreign aircraft. Yeah, so you see, it seems like a majority of the people are really, really happy about this, including airplane staff. There's videos where the airplane staff are celebrating and singing and saying things like, it's over, finally. And everybody's, most everybody is pretty happy about this. And, I mean, I guess if I were on the plane, I would have cheered too. But guess what? I wouldn't have been on the plane. Sorry for the language because I will not consent or comply with or bow down to what they want me to do in the first place. All of you people who happily celebrated the end of mask mandates when they happened and took your masks off immediately, you know what you are showing the world? You're showing the world that you are a loser, a coward. That you knew all along it was BS, but you went along with it because they were holding something over your head. They were saying, well, you can't get on the plane unless you do what we say. Or you can't put your kids in school because unless you do what we say. And you all, you all, you can't get groceries. You can't go in the grocery store comfortably, comfortably, unless you do what we say and wear these masks. And what does that tell you about yourselves? that you wait for permission. You wait for the government to give you the all clear before you do 
what you know is right in your heart. Now I'm going to tell you something, hand to God. I mean this, as God is my witness. I did my rant on that before I even saw this video. I, again, I'm not taking credit for having that thought. I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one is my point. But I didn't watch her video and go, you know what, I'm going to rant about the exact same thing. I, I just love it. I mean, great minds think alike. There's no way that I'm the only person or she's the only person to have this wavelength of thought. Countless people have. Again, I threw it up on Gab a long time ago, and yeah, I mean, it got a lot of agreement. But she's 100% right. I agree with her. And um, we have to change. People have to change going forward here. How many more times are you willing to be lied to and manipulated regarding everything? Again, you've heard me say this too, the business of people having advanced degrees. Well, that person's uh, a former chiropractor. They wouldn't know anything about medicine and, and what's going on regarding you know particular poisons in the body and blah, blah, blah. Or that person's an educator or a former educator. What would they know about the COVID shots and this, that, and the other? If you're married to the, to the letters behind a person's name, or what they used to do for a living, or something along those lines, and that somehow qualifies them to be able to comment on or investigate a particular issue, again, not a survivable skill. Enough people believed medical doctors over the last two years, and many of those people are dead. Many of those people who blindly believed medical doctors are in serious peril right now. People have to change. People have to unlearn, and they have to keep unlearning. If they don't, again, it's not a survivable skill. It's not a survivable characteristic to cease unlearning. So please, keep unlearning, continue unlearning. I'm going to link in the description below of this podcast two things. Part four, again, of the viral delusion. Uh, documentary, which is fascinating to say the least, and Amazing Polly's channel, where you can hear the rest of her rant on this. What I also did on my BitChute channel, American Education FM, is I took about five sections of the Viral Delusion Part 4 documentary, and I chopped them up and edited them up just so that you could hear directly from these people regarding the HIV lie and the COVID lie and how it's the exact same playbook and how it's the exact same rollout that has happened with both of these things. Using the fear tactics, using the propaganda, the media, Anthony Fauci, the whole apparatus against all of us as individuals. And it's only like an 18-minute video, but you still should watch the entire, I think it's about an hour and 40-some-odd minutes of part four. So I'll link that in the uh, description below. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to end with this. And this was an anonymous post, and I'm just going to read it. I thought it was absolutely perfect for this time we are living in here. It's titled, You Were Chosen Out of a Fallen World. It says, quote, Being awake, speaking the truth, and doing the right thing takes courage. It is not the easy path through life. It is the hardest path. You will be persecuted, insulted, deplatformed, disowned, fired, and hated by the wicked and those still sleeping and brainwashed. The evil spiritual forces of this world will come against you. This is all worth keeping your soul intact, no matter how hard it gets. 
Thanks to all of you who take a stand for and defend the good, the beautiful, and the true. You were chosen out of a fallen world, and God woke you up for a reason. And then it ends here with a quote from Jesus Christ. Quote, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. If you were of the world, it would love you as its own. Instead, the world hates you, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.